Welcome to The Real Estate Life with Kevin Rouse. This is your host, Kevin Rouse, and it's Kevin Rouse and Friends. This week, we have Aaron Power with uh, Porter Hedges, a bankruptcy attorney that I work with, and we're going to talk about bankruptcy and real estate and all the things that happen with bankruptcy and why you should file bankruptcy, why you shouldn't file bankruptcy, some interesting, crazy stories that he and I have both worked on. So I just can't wait for you guys to listen to this. This is great information. So, DJ, hit that music, please. Support for this program comes from the Digital Broadcasting Network, presenting podcasts and web series from everyday people who have an extraordinary passion to make the world a better place. Welcome back to The Real Estate of Life with Kevin Rouse. This is your host, Kevin Rouse. And remember, the name of the show is actually The Real Estate of Life with Kevin Rouse and Friends. And I'm pleased today that we have a friend, or I have a friend, uh, I started working together probably a little bit, uh, maybe a year and a half to two years ago. Or actually, I think it's been three yeah, years now. Three years, uh, yeah. yeah, three years now. Uh, and uh, you guys know that I bring on friends that have certain expertise in certain areas. I've had uh, Nancy Sarnoff, the Houston Chronicle real estate writer. I've had Daryl Dyke, uh, hard money lender. And today, um, I have uh, Aaron Power, uh, who is a local, uh, I'll say local, you're nationwide, you're global uh, bankruptcy attorney. Um, and I told you guys in previous podcasts that one of the silos of my business is uh, that I work with uh, bankruptcy trustees and attorneys to assist in selling property. And so the other day I was working on another case that Aaron's not involved with. And I said, you know what? I think I need to have a podcast. And the first person that came to mind was Aaron Power. So welcome to Thank the you. Real Estate of Life. Thanks for uh, having me. And I appreciate you uh, uh, making time for us uh, today. So um, I wanted to have you on uh, for a couple of reasons. And you guys know we kind of do this cold, so I haven't given Aaron any pre-questions or anything of that nature. So, uh, And one of the reasons, well, a couple of reasons. One, I wanted to get people to get to know you. Two, I wanted to talk about bankruptcy and real estate. And three, just to prepare you in, the, in advance uh, f for what you can disclose, some interesting bankruptcy stories. I know sure, you and I have sure, been. Sure, <laughs> We can talk about ours, I think. I mean, <laughs> yeah. One nice thing about bankruptcy is it's um, almost all of it's public. Okay, all right. You know? So, so everything's know. on the docket if someone really wanted to look it up or gotcha. I'm, I'm okay talking gotcha because you and i have been involved i know in two uh, uh very interesting yeah. uh, uh bankruptcy cases that people you know was telling me sometimes when i'm telling them i don't believe that I'm like, <laughs> no for real uh yeah feds anyway uh so um first and foremost um tell us about, about where you're from um you know where you grew up and then uh, to me why bankruptcy so yeah sure so uh i'm from spring on the north side okay. i went to klein oak high school okay i went to college in boston and i went to law school in los angeles uh finished school in 2006 okay i moved back here 13 years ago i guess and started practicing i've only ever done bankruptcy my whole life um i don't uh pretend to know much about anything else but right. I, i'm an expert in the one thing i do and that's all i've ever really done in, in the law all so right. i mean it encompasses some uh areas of the law that uh that are state law talking about exemptions what mm -hmm. you're allowed to keep if you file bankruptcy mm -hmm. um and a lot of contract law mm -hmm. um and just some real basic financing mm -hmm. but for the most part 100 bankruptcy and so i um represent a variety of different people mm -hmm. Um, I don't do much creditor work. Okay. Uh, I mostly represent debtors, probably 40% okay. of my practice. Uh, the other 40% of my practice is representing uh, Chapter 7 trustees. Mm -hmm. We can go into that mm -hmm. a little more in depth. That's how we got to know each other. Mm -hmm. um, and then maybe 20% is miscellaneous and, and representing creditors. I only represent a few banks. It's typically I'm not... I'm almost never the person foreclosing on the property. Gotcha. I'm almost always the person trying to help someone stop the property being foreclosed on. Gotcha. Gotcha. So uh, I'm going to back up for a second. Uh, of all the different fields of law, uh, from criminal all the way to state planning to what, what why bankruptcy? Like what yeah. you to bankruptcy? Cause yeah. It's that's, all to me, I don't, at least I don't think people normally like, oh, wait, you know, in high school, you know, I, I really want to be a bankruptcy attorney, but maybe that was your case. I don't know. No, <laughs> never. No one has ever grown up saying, I want to be a bankruptcy right, lawyer, right. unless maybe your dad was or something, right. but um, my dad was in the Navy. Right. Um, no, I, when I was in law school, mm -hmm. uh, I was, you know, people go to law school for different reasons. Mm -hmm. Some people go to law school because they have nothing better to do. Some people go to law school because they want to make a bunch of money. Mm -hmm. A lot of people like myself go to law school because they're 
you know, have some version of being a do-gooder in their life. Okay. And so uh, I was working for the Legal Aid Foundation of Los Angeles. Okay. And while in law school. While in law school, mm-hmm. I was not really thinking of myself as being a law firm kind of lawyer. Okay. Um, but as it turns <laughs> out, um, all those kids that went to Harvard and Yale also mm-hmm. want to save the world. Right, right, right. And it ended up being really hard to find a job and make a living doing full-time legal aid work. Mm. Um, and um, it's it's as competitive as getting a job at a huge international law firm. Really? Because, yeah, I mean, um, not to get too into it, but no, I mean, no, a, a, lo- a lot of people... Um, are able to take those jobs because they came from families that have the means to support Got them, to it. allow them to do full I don't time. have to make as much money because... Yeah, someone else is paying the rent. I, right. ha- I did not have that luxury. And right. so um, that was sort of my trajectory of what I thought I was going to do. And I was a little frustrated. And I had a professor say to me, why don't you think about doing bankruptcy? Mm-hmm. Because those people that are coming to legal mm-hmm. aid that need help... Mm-hmm. Um, that's the same client base that ends up in bankruptcy. Hmm. And so I've eventually veered, unfortunately, from that path mm-hmm. in life. But, um, you know, I really, the, the appeal to me of bankruptcy was being to be, being able to help people mm-hmm. um, that were in distress mm-hmm. and that maybe didn't have the means to get access to quality legal representation otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I will say this, having worked with you, and it's not because you're here, um, um, you, you do it in a humane way. Uh, and when I say humane way, like even though you're not reverent, you know, in our context, we work together mostly as you representing the trustee, which is the, the representation for the court. Um, you know, even in our challenging situations up to a point, you know, you, you, you still have that heart when yeah. you do it. And I've had the, the blessing to be able to work with now multiple uh, attorneys slash trustees, and, and that's not always... Uh, the case yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I mean there's uh, so. just to me there's just um, there's no point in doing this job to right. if you're gonna just be a jerk to people right you right, know? right. Um, and it's there already are lawyers, a horrible there are situation lawyers who think that way and unfortunately we get that reputation but right. um, most lawyers are not that way it's it's yeah. the 10 or 20 percent of lawyers that are um, aggressive for the right. sake of being aggressive right um, that's what I'm about the aggressive for being like yeah you know, there's no reason to be mean. I mean, right. they're already going through, right. you know, a horrible time. Right. Do some people use the system, uh, um, you know, to me or try to use the system? Uh, at least, from, again, from my purvey, uh, and when I say system, do some people, do some debtors sometimes try to, you know, game the system? Absolutely. Yeah. But for the most part, most people I've worked for or worked with or worked through, they're in a bad situation. So. Right. Uh, and they're just yeah. vulnerable, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we use the phrase <clears throat> "honest but unfortunate," right? You know, and um, right. Part of our job, on especially on the trustee side, is to figure out the difference between someone that's filing bankruptcy in bad faith mm-hmm. or someone that we say is they're honest but just unfortunate, right? And the vast majority, despite mm-hmm. what you would think in the news and the way that maybe politicians portray bankruptcy law, mm-hmm. no one's out there trying to take advantage of the system. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a very rare circumstance that you get a truly bad faith case. Most people have had some circumstance come up that was out of their control, mm-hmm. whether it's personal issue mm-hmm. or just market issues. Mm-hmm. Right? Like they just bought at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. They bought in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not doing anything wrong. They're mm-hmm. just unfortunate circumstances. Yeah, um, I had a chance recently to work for a debtor, not so I wasn't working for a trustee. Uh, and um, classic successful business, uh, and the market turned on them, and um, they lost, you know, pretty much everything. And uh, uh, so the biggest asset they had was their company land uh, slash uh, buildings, and so uh, they had been trying to sell it through kind of what I call regular realtors as far as that are not steeped in kind of distress type situations. And so, um, uh, uh, not to be named, but our, our favorite judge, uh, I don't know, someone in his his room recommended they get someone that um, uh, that uh, has experience, a realtor with bankruptcy. And so somehow my name got uh, to them and I was able to sell it. Uh, which is a great thing. I say all that to say, but just in meeting with them, I would I would consider them to be honest but unfortunate. Like they were devastated that the fact that their business wasn't right. uh, successful. So, um, so that's how you ended up. You, you you ended up in bankruptcy because you wanted to help people. Um, uh, you didn't at the time see yourself as a a law firm 
right. guy. Right. You now work for uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> a law firm. Yeah. Uh, a larger firm, I should yeah. say. A uh, very good firm, by the way. Uh, and full disclosure, uh, I've been represented uh, by <laughs> Aaron Power. In, in fact, uh, Aaron Power and, and his uh, the firm, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. Yeah, firm, yeah, but Aaron, uh, 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 Porter Hedges, uh, and so which is one of uh, uh, the great law firms, uh, not only because they uh, helped me out, but uh, also um, um, I think I have a podcast episode where I go into great detail uh, about my uh, $14,275 <laughs> Uh, a mistake, and I say mistake, and I say that in the in the um, podcast. It wasn't the fact that I had to uh, hire attorneys because I hired great attorneys. Uh, it was just the fact of that whole circumstance and, and teaching y'all a lesson. But I digress. That that was someone who was probably not honest, <laughs> and he was At unfortunate, all. but not honest. For At him. all. And to Aaron's credit, I sent the, uh, the lawsuit to him. Uh, if you get a chance, go back and and listen to that podcast. Uh, just as a hey, man, you know, can you refer an attorney uh, to me? Uh, and he read it, and he, uh, his immediate thing was like, "I can't believe what's the what's the case? Are you kidding me? This is frivolous." Whatever. And I was like, "Yeah, I want that type of passion <laughs> uh, behind me." So I ended up uh, uh, he ended up pairing me up with a partner at the firm, and, and we got it taken care of. So going back to, to to bankruptcy, what I have learned, and you can dispel me of this myth, um, is in working for the last three years uh, with. Um, bankruptcy with you and, and multiple trustees um, is I, I have learned sitting in, in different judges' courtrooms that I never want to file bankruptcy. No, <laughs> no one ever wants to call me. I mean, I yeah. say that there, there are two lawyers you never want to call. You never want to call a criminal lawyer. Right. You never want to call a bankruptcy lawyer. I, I On either le- side, right? Even if you're the creditor. I mean, right. you don't know. You don't, you don't, nobody wants to be in bankruptcy I, court. I, I had to sit um, in Judge uh, Bones' court um, to wait for a case where I might be called. Uh, in that debtors uh, situation I just talked about, and I think it was maybe six or seven things that, that court or cases before me, and I was just sitting there. I sat there for like an hour, and I was like, "Man, this you know, this is just not where you would you know no. <laughs> uh, want to be." Uh, and uh, again, all respectful and things of that nature, but it was just some uh, it was some medical situations. Uh, there were some uh, I think out of those six, maybe one of them was a frivolous. Uh, type of dude and and uh, or, or a case. So, to my question to you is, why do people file bankruptcy, and, and, and is it always necessary? Because, in my mind, some of the situations that I have seen, I'm wondering, man, you could have probably negotiated directly with. And I'm not saying people not to call you, but is it always necessary? I guess. No. Okay. No, certainly. And I mean, whenever I talk to anyone on the debtor side, I always approach it from. What can we do to not file? Gotcha. Right, and you're going to find lawyers in town who maybe don't feel that way. I'm <laughs> right, trying to force you into a case because they get paid. But right. um, no, I mean the truth is, uh, when I meet someone, I don't want you to hire me. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to have to hire me. I want to. If there's a way out of it mm-hmm. where you don't have to do it, like I should be a last resort. Gotcha. Bankruptcy should, um, in in most instances, happen because negotiations have failed. Gotcha. Because you have tried to work something out, or negotiations aren't possible. Gotcha. Right. I mean, if you have, and we're talking about real estate, is, is usually fairly simple. You've mm-hmm. maybe only got you know one secured lender, maybe a second lien on the property. But mm-hmm. um, talking about personal bankruptcy, then you've got fifteen credit cards, mm-hmm. and you can't get anyone on the phone, and you're dealing with the IRS. And I mean, there there are, there are different reasons for that. But you know, in real estate cases, um, if the primary asset is is real estate, you should hopefully negotiate, right? Mm-hmm. And then only you're going to court because it broke down, it didn't work. So, but I still then. I guess my question, are you only engaging with people that file or, or with you or someone that's um, dealing with a bankruptcy attorney say, hey, you know, I don't think you should file, but I can assist you in negotiating? Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. No, I mean, we, we deal with out-of-court. We call it out-of-court restructuring okay. all the time where we take a loan, you know, uh, on behalf of, of the borrower mm-hmm. or the, the owner of the property. And we'll negotiate with the bank on uh, restructuring that loan. Okay. And it could be a variety of things. I mean, maybe it is um, stretching it, mm-hmm. you know. Maybe it's renegotiating just basic interest rate. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, it gets more complicated when someone has personally guaranteed that loan. Mm-hmm. 
because um, then you're really dealing with two different issues. Really? Um, yeah. So I, uh, look, I just signed a personal guarantee on the office condo I just bought. But go ahead. Yeah, no. So, I mean, <laughs> it's important. Business. I mean, mm-hmm. you've probably talked on other podcasts about the idea of setting up an LLC to mm-hmm. hold a piece of property. Mm-hmm. So, Which is what I did for this particular Right. Event. So that LLC now owns the property, and mm-hmm. that LLC can file bankruptcy to protect that property mm-hmm. and stop from getting foreclosed on. Mm-hmm. But if the LLC owns the property mm-hmm. and it files bankruptcy, mm-hmm. It's protected by bankruptcy law. Not me. You are not protected at all by that bankruptcy filing. Mm-hmm. So if negotiations have really broken down and they really want to get at you, right. they could sue you notwithstanding that bankruptcy, you personally, on the personal guarantee at the same time that they're trying to either get the bankruptcy case dismissed or use it as leverage it's to funny negotiate a deal in the bankruptcy case. And again, I'm not an attorney, but attorneys slash brokers, especially as much commercial real estate that I do, the whole reason we tell you to set up the LLC is to avoid... Um, you know, not only personal liability, somebody following on the property, things right. of that nature, but also, uh, you know, issues as far as it pertains to uh, uh, what you just described. Right. And uh, if you don't sign the personal guarantee, that's true. Right. <laughs> that's why all the lenders make you, you sign, sign the, the personal, personal guarantee. guarantee, even though yeah. you set up the LLC. <laughs> yeah. They make you sign to get you brought back into it because they don't want to let you so use it's, the it's, LLC. It's a, it's, it's a stick. Um, uh, right. Uh, out there, um, uh, and by the way, just for parenthetical reference, Mr. Mr. Producer is feeling this information in the back because he's shaking like, yeah, that's exactly what's going on. And I always let the people know what Mr. Producer is doing. Um, so, um, as it pertains to, um, you're saying that you get engaged sometimes, and uh, in, in regardless of, or regardless, I should say, of real estate to just help to negotiate without filing. Yeah, that's always the first step. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. and plenty of times it doesn't go there. I mean, bankruptcy right. is expensive. Right. Um, and it is a last resort. Mm-hmm. And there is, um, if it's a pretty simple capital structure, mm-hmm. you've only got one or two liens on the property, mm-hmm. and we're only dealing with one piece of property, mm-hmm. that's hopefully something that we can get done out of court just gotcha. in, in the conference room. Gotcha. So um, uh, a couple questions uh, come up in, in my mind. Um, as it pertains to... Uh, just so the people know that are not familiar, I've gotten familiar with the terminology and w- working. What is a debtor? What is a trustee? Uh, and the, the um, uh, yeah, so what is a debtor? Yeah, so we should start with maybe an overview of different types of bankruptcies. So right. There's really three different okay. types of bankruptcy. Um, I think what most people think of when they think of bankruptcy is Chapter 7, okay. which is a liquidation, and that can apply to an individual person or to a company. Mm-hmm. The idea is um, you are basically giving up, mm-hmm. right? You're not trying to restructure or reorganize. You are throwing in the keys. Okay. <coughs> um, instead of maybe like a deed in lieu, mm-hmm. you um, are getting a discharge of the debt. So if it's a company, um, and just pick a, a hypothetical, just a, a simple like rent-seeking company. Mm-hmm. Like they own a building and they're a landlord and that's mm-hmm. it. They're, they don't operate a business on it. Um, and they've decided the property is just way underwater. They want to walk away from it. They don't have personal guarantee from it. You know, mm-hmm. um, They can uh, file bankruptcy, and that would clean up all the ancillary debt on it. So um, if you didn't have, like, I mean, you could have a bunch of things. You could have taxes that are due, utilities mm-hmm. that are behind. You could owe other things related to managing the property. Um, and you just giving the, the keys over to the lender might not solve, solve all, all those problems. You'll mm-hmm. get all those calls. So you want to just clean slate, just say, you know what? I give up. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to liquidate. You get whatever you want for the building. I'm done. Mm-hmm. It's chapter seven. <clears throat> In that instance, a trustee is appointed, is what we've been talking mm-hmm. about. Um, there are, I think, six in the Southern District of Texas, or six in Houston, I should say. Oh, really? I, thought, I always thought there were more. No. No, there's only six. Really? Yeah. Okay. And hmm. um, there's one in the Valley. Okay. I think there might be one in Corpus. But, yeah, I think there are six in Houston. And it's just a random assignment. You know, it's um, they get one in every si- <coughs> six Chapter 7 cases that are filed, okay. both on the business and consumer side. doesn't matter. Six for each or six in no, total? No, six in total. Okay. So if there's, you know, 6,000 cases filed a year, they get 1,000 cases a year. Really? Yeah. That puts so much in perspective in trying to get in touch with the, the trustee that I'm yeah yeah wow yeah. okay they have a lot of cases yeah yeah and okay. and look most of those cases are what we call no asset cases where mm-hmm. there's not really anything to do mm-hmm. it's someone who has just a lot of debt and no nothing, real property nothing right. to sell you know but the idea is so you file chapter seven they um, create an estate they use the same word almost like when someone dies like mm-hmm. a probate estate you mm-hmm. have a bankruptcy estate <clears throat> and so you can think of a chapter seven trustee kind of like 
the um, executor of a will, mm -hmm. you know, they are gathering all the assets, securing them, and then liquidating them. Mm -hmm. And so that's where you come in if it's right. real property. Um, I mean, I was driving over here and I got a call about selling a boat. I mean, mm -hmm. I sell all kinds of stuff. Right. Whatever someone owns, we will eventually sell. I just sold Texans PSLs, like the, the license to own really? Texans tickets. Like, whatever someone owns when they file bankruptcy right. becomes part of the estate. And I um, got that phone call. <coughs> oh, so, good, good. so um, when it is a piece of real uh, real property, mm -hmm. we will hire a broker right. and then market the property. Uh, so like so would otherwise. let me say this for those out there. That's so. Aaron just said they sell uh, everything, which is true. Um, but they are trying, and I've learned this as well, and I've, I've assisted uh, uh, with uh, this as well. They don't always hire us as well, brokers. In other words, if they can get a piece of property sold without uh, having to uh, employ the services of either myself or a CPA or anyone else that's going to, quote, unquote, uh, and for lack of a better term, reduce the amount that is coming back to the state, they will do that. And so I'm very clear uh, on that um, uh, as well. And because at the end of the day, if uh, they have to pay professionals, that reduces the amount that comes back uh, to be able to satisfy the debt. So right. I, I didn't want people to think that it's automatic uh, that no. I get hired. As a matter of fact, um, you, um, uh, 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 a couple of trustees, some other attorneys I've met uh, since then will sometimes say, hey, Kevin, I don't, I don't know if we can hire you, but do you mind doing an evaluation on this to see if it's even worth one anything two right. if it's enough money to be able to pay you slash and get so that happens actually quite a bit uh on the cases that that, that i do so i just want to state that yeah yeah you know, yeah uh, <clears throat> so uh, the idea but, is we would uh trustee would sell everything mm -hmm. um collect that money the creditors that are owed money will file a claim saying i'm owed x mm -hmm. Um, trustee reviews that, makes sure they're really owed that amount, and then distributes the money pro rata. Mm -hmm. right? So everyone shares equally. If there's not enough money to go around, okay, I never knew that. everybody gets 25 cents in the dollar. Um, <clears throat> for unsecured debt, if you have a mortgage on the property, obviously that mortgage gets paid Secure. off in full. They're not, they're not sharing with the unsecured creditors because gotcha. they have a lien on the property. But if there are proceeds in excess of that, if there's a net to seller, mm -hmm. um, that would come into the estate and get distributed. The mortgage else. company doesn't sometimes have to take a haircut as well or no? Um, so it's interesting. On their so, fees and late fees and all the other stuff they tack on top, at least? Yeah. Anything? No. Okay. <laughs> uh, really? They don't have to. Okay. Um, so sometimes when it's th – there's three scenarios, right? Mm -hmm. One is the property is pretty clearly underwater, mm -hmm. and um, the bank's not interested in dealing with the bankruptcy. So they will file uh, a motion. It's called the motion to lift the stay, mm -hmm. which basically says there's no hope of anyone ever getting any equity out of this property – this bankruptcy case is not going to serve any purpose. Mm -hmm. Let us go foreclose on the property anyway, Judge. So, um, second scenario is there's clearly equity in the property, right? Mm -hmm. So the lender then is playing ball, and the trustee is going to run with it mm -hmm. and, and try and sell the property. When it's in the middle, and what you were just talking about, right. where it's not totally clear mm -hmm. if there is equity or not equity in the property, mm -hmm. um, it's harder. Yeah. That's when you really. That's where the real negotiation is when you're, gotcha. when you're stuck in the middle of it. Um, and sometimes the bank will say, okay, we'll let you go. We'll see how it goes, you know. Mm -hmm. And they may end up having to take a haircut mm -hmm. if we don't get enough for the property, if they've let that process go mm -hmm. uh, instead of cutting it off on the front end. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, and so the <clears throat> other type of bankruptcy uh, is Chapter 11, mm -hmm. which is uh, a reorganization instead of a liquidation. So this is where you're saying I'm fighting. Mm -hmm. I'm not just giving up on the property. Mm -hmm. I want to keep the property. Um, and uh, so there's... Within Chapter 11, there's a couple different types of cases, but mm -hmm. one sort of designation of a case, which is probably common for what we're talking about, is mm -hmm. a single-asset real estate case. Mm -hmm. So in order to be a single-asset real estate case, it has to be um, – uh, there can't be an operating business on it. Okay. Right? So mm -hmm. it's, it's basically a rent-seeking business, we call it. Like, you are just a landlord. Gotcha. Right? You are not also I own operating. A strip center, a, I own a yeah, a strip center is a perfect example. Right. And it has to be four units or less. Mm -hmm. So if you had a big multifamily project, that wouldn't be a single asset case. Mm -hmm. um, or if you had one LLC that had two or three pieces, two or three properties, also not a single asset case. This okay. is really, I just set up an LLC for the one purpose. small right. rental property. Um, and the debt has to be less than $4 million. Um, in that case, there is uh, you're on a tighter window. You only have 90 days to figure it out. Hmm. So normally in bankruptcy in Chapter 11, you have 180 days to work with your lender, come up with a plan, figure something out. Um, because 
I guess. Someone in Congress decided 15 <laughs> years ago or so that... They probably um, filed bankruptcy. No. Yeah. <laughs> or friend. I mean, or I, well, you know, <clears throat> typically the way that the law works is, is I'm sure some collection of lenders and banks that were dealing yeah, with yeah. small business loans and these kind of loans um, thought it was a problem that these cases were being filed and dragged out for too long and mm -hmm. they needed to get to resolution faster. So, and they're not as complicated, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if you've got four tenants, it's different than saying I've got 25 tenants. Right. Um, and, and there's not much wiggle room there, right? If you're mm -hmm. looking at your occupancy rate, mm -hmm. you've only got four tenants. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. no, you're, it's, yeah. it's, it's tough right. to say, well, my occupancy is going to go up to, I'm going right. to increase my occupancy by 10% in the next 90 days. We're going to make these deals. One, We're going to get, yeah. yeah, exactly. As opposed to a multifamily project that's got 100 units, right. maybe you can fill out another 10 or 20 and you're suddenly cash flowing. Right. So um, that's your window. That's like the benefit of filing bankruptcy is during that period, um, unless they file the motion to lift stay and have that fight. It's a timeout. Yeah, basically. it's a timeout, basically. Right. Like, they can't foreclose on you They can't, on, on the property. Mm -hmm. They can still sue you, you personally, but <laughs> gotcha. they can't take any action against the property. Um, we call that the automatic stay. It's mm -hmm. like an injunction. Um, and so that's the benefit is you get time to breathe and try to negotiate something, gotcha. which maybe wasn't what happening outside of court. So um, chapter seven, chapter eleven, and then and then chapter thirteen, yeah. um, which this is uh, one of the, that's the one you see in the news all the time. Chapter the big, thirteen the is huge. is the most commonly filed one. Okay. Chapter thirteen is only for individuals, and it is a reorganization instead of a a liquidation. Mm -hmm. So what that means is that you are committing in a in the chapter seven, you give the trustee everything you own, mm -hmm. subject to your exemptions, mm -hmm. your homestead exemption, mm -hmm. your car personal property up to $50,000 for an individual, $100,000 for a family. Um, and then you get a fresh start. Right? Mm -hmm. You get a discharge of all your debt. You don't have to pay back anything, but you only get to keep what Texas allows you to keep. Mm -hmm. um, in a Chapter 13, you're keeping all your stuff. Mm -hmm. You're not giving it to a trustee, mm -hmm. but you are committing to pay a certain amount of your income for five years. So that's the way that creditors get paid is that you are a wage earner, you do have income. I mean, there's a pretty complicated formula to um, determine the amount to determine the amount of what they call your disposable income mm -hmm. um, that you then contribute uh, to a plan. And then at the end of five years, after you make all those payments, mm -hmm. then you get discharged from the debt. Gotcha. And so that's the most commonly filed, numerically speaking, the most commonly filed type of bankruptcy case. So um, uh, how long does a bankruptcy stick with you personally? If I file bankruptcy, um, you know, today, and, and w no matter what kind of bankruptcy, seven or 13, and it is resolved. So seven, I'm liquidated, I'm good, I'm finished. Um, 13, I've paid my five years. Right. So when I say stay with you, um, ha have you seen instances? I know, for instance, in mortgage, because I used to own a mortgage company, a mortgage brokerage back in the day, uh, it was like you had to be out of bankruptcy for seven years. Right. So, uh, but I didn't know from a, a, a court standpoint, can someone file a seven and then seven years later file another seven or, yeah. or, or next day file another seven? Well, they five cannot seven. file the next day, yeah. right? So if you get a discharge, mm -hmm. meaning you file the case, everything goes smoothly, and you actually get discharged from your debt, mm -hmm. that's the seven years you're talking about. Mm -hmm. If it, um, if your case gets dismissed, mm -hmm. A lot of people try and that's file a, a, case, a, file a, a case without a lawyer. Mm -hmm. If you get your case dismissed, you don't actually get a discharge. Mm -hmm. Nothing happened. It's like you didn't file at all. Gotcha. Then you can refile, but then it, every time you do that, it gets harder and harder, and the judge looks at you like you're maybe not the honest but unfortunate <laughs> person because you're in here on you're, your seventh case. Right. You know Your yeah. property's been posted for foreclosure seven times. Right. You've had six cases dismissed. Right. What are you doing What's here? What's going on? Yeah. You know, yeah. what, is, what is the plan? Why don't you have a lawyer? Right. Um, but the, the, the answer I'd like to give to that question mm -hmm. is it never leaves. Hmm. Right. I mean, there's a there's a legal answer to that, which mm -hmm. is the seven year question. But the practical answer is mm -hmm. if someone ever asked you on a job application or any other reason, have mm -hmm. you ever filed bankruptcy? It's not like after seven years, you can say no. You're right. Right. On a, so on a rental app right now. We take for, it seriously because yeah. yeah. it's it doesn't say in the last right. sometimes it'll say the last seven years. But right. a lot of times, it's just, have you ever filed bankruptcy? Yeah. 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 So you're right. It never. Um, so the answer is never. It's a scarlet, um, can be a scarlet. So that's the reason it shouldn't be entered into lightly. Right. And I say that to say in my time in working with uh, um, bankruptcy cases from a real estate standpoint, um, I, in being in the court, I, I can also distinctly remember thinking, again, man, 
based on what I'm hearing, in case, of course I don't know the whole case, on some of these uh, files that I'm not involved in, um, they shouldn't have even, like, their, the assets that they're talking about were so minuscule. Right. And I, I was like, man, I wondered that, you know, someone talked them into um, filing versus just getting with uh, the creditors and say, hey, look, this is what, you know, just negotiating on your own would have right. been uh, 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 cheaper, really, and, right. and, and better. So, uh, And, look, a lot of people, um, a hard part of my job mm -hmm. is trying to convince someone mm -hmm. that it's time to give up. Hmm. You know, mm. people don't want to give up. It's mm -hmm. not the American way. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know? you're right. Yeah. And um, you mean give up? I'm a fighter. Right. I'm going to turn this around. Right. Everyone thinks they're going to turn it around. Right? right. We wouldn't have jobs if people didn't have hope. Right. That's true. Um, Let's do it. But you know, I just give you an example. It's on a personal level. Mm -hmm. um, there was a, a house down the street from us mm -hmm. recently that um, I didn't find out about it until I had it had already happened, mm -hmm. but it got foreclosed on. Mm -hmm. And turned out they were squatting on the property, so they had they refused to leave. Mm -hmm. um, and I've been there, done that. So. Yeah, you as, know, as the broker. Yeah. I, I mean, I eventually I went back and looked it up to right. find out what it sold for. Right. Um, and I know what. And a developer bought it, and mm -hmm. they're going to knock it. It's an old house from the '50s, and they're mm -hmm. going to knock it down and build a build a house on it. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> I don't know what was going on with them. I don't know why they didn't want mm -hmm. to fight or why they didn't. But <clears throat> they um, that house got foreclosed on. <clears throat> for probably $150,000 less than the lot was worth. Mm -hmm. And those people now have nothing, mm. right? That developer is going to make all that upside. Mm -hmm. And if they had filed bankruptcy mm -hmm. and been willing to say, we're going to move, then that's a problem. People don't want to move, right? Right? Because now they'd be having a new start. Yes, right. they'd be out of the house, but they might have $100,000, $150,000 in, in cash, yeah. and they can go start over somewhere else. And maybe right. it's not in the same neighborhood, but you have a significant amount of money right. to start and be safe with as opposed to, you know, the result is the same. And now yeah. you don't have the house and, and you let some money. developer come in and take all that upside. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, my background is, um, well, one of my, I guess, real estate claims of fame is that I was the, the REO broker in the late two thousands for Houston. So thousands, I've sold thousands of foreclosures and, um, um, with, uh, with that, you know, it's amazing to me uh, that um, how many people wouldn't work with their lender, call a broker, sell it. Even if you sold it at a discount, you know, uh, you would be leaving with something. But I'm going to, you're right, I'm going to fight. And then me being hired by Chase or Wells Fargo or uh, HUD come and having to come knock on your door to say, hey, here's, here's an offer for cash for keys. You know, we'll give you $1,500 if you move out in 30 days. But they're going to start the eviction process. Uh, uh, anyway, so uh, you're right. We are a fight. That's a, that's a very good observation that we want to fight, and sometimes that's to our de uh, our detriment. So um, most of the people that listen to my podcast are either uh, just generally interested in real estate or investors and things of that nature. So the investors, when they hear bankruptcy, they they start salivating. So when I tell them, you know, sixty percent of my business is selling uh, multifamily property. The other forty percent is kind of a hodgepodge of of uh, kind of trustee work, um, bankruptcy work, I should say, uh, tenant representation and kind of the normal commercial real estate. So for those um, investors out there that are interested in potential opportunities, they always assume that because it's bankruptcy that we're selling it below market. Uh, and I always tell people that's not necessarily the case. Right. In fact, um, you wouldn't hire me. That's exactly right. <laughs> I mean, if I was going to sell up a love market, I wouldn't need a realtor. Exactly. If you uh, you wouldn't, I always tell people that's not necessarily the case. Now, um, because of bankruptcy, and this is just a public service announcement, are there sometimes where there are properties? If the person's in bankruptcy, they may not have been able to keep up the property. If the person's in bankruptcy, um, there might be other situations that go on with the property, whether it be residential, commercial, that would cause a discount. But it, it, it is they don't hire me to sell it at a discount. So. I would say this, the one difference between um, a trustee as a seller mm. and just a normal person as a seller is that the trustee is probably more motivated. Mm -hmm. The trustee also has a fiduciary duty to maximize the value Absolutely. of that, right? The, the judge is looking over the trustee's shoulder. The trustee can't give away any sweetheart deals. Right. So that doesn't really happen. Right. But there is a band of reasonableness. There's a window of, of, of money in there that... Right. that that range is acceptable. Right. And you can negotiate within that range, but you're not going to get it 
below a range of reasonableness. Right. Um, because a trustee might not have uh, cash in the estate. We might only have the real property. Well, mm -hmm. we have to keep it insured. Mm -hmm. So we've got to, well, until that insurance runs out, we've got a window to sell it. And I've gotten those emails. Uh, we don't have to pay the taxes. We can, yeah, exactly. I mean, we can push <laughs> right. the taxes off till it gets paid, but um, the insurance, you can't. Right. So there's sometimes a, a, a trustee's willing to move a little faster, right. a little more motivated than another seller, an uh, out-of-bankruptcy seller who's willing to wait it out and see what happens in the market. Right. And I agree with that. And, and because of that, sometimes there's a, a tad bit of, of uh, hey, if you're able to close faster and get this done, will we give you a tad bit of a discount, um, you know, uh, uh, in layman's terms? Uh, yes, but at the end of the day, um, it's, it's just not. I just I always try to dispel the, the myth that it's automatic. Um, mm, they're sure. distressed. They got to sell it tomorrow. And yeah. so I'm going to offer 50% on a dollar. No, no, no we're never going to take 50 uh, Exactly. And yeah. then when I give them valuations, I don't give them a bankruptcy valuation. Matter of fact, I'll just tell people um, usually what I'm asked for is how much will this sell for? And then give me a 90 day price. Give me two prices. Give me, you know, if you were just listing this normally and a quick, basically a relatively quick sale price, uh, at least the trustee. Uh, I, we work with on a consistent basis uh, and that's what I do um, basically but I've I've given that 90-day price multiple times we've never listed at the at the at the 90-day price because uh, they uh, want to get it maxed out in fact uh, uh, one of the more interesting cases which I guess I didn't end up working for the trustee I ended up working for um, <laughs> the um, uh, 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 I guess probate estate. Mm. Uh, I listed something what I thought to be a good value, and it got actually bid up. Um, yeah. Uh, on uh, on that case. So with that, talking about uh, specific cases as we uh, get close uh, to the end, what 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 what's some of your most interesting real estate related uh, bankruptcy cases oh, that? Man. Um, um. I know we had the one with the with the Fed involved and people getting arrested right before. Yeah, stuff, so. yeah. Um, that was me. I bet you might. Have I don't some think you got ones. the update on that. They they pled guilty. Really? Yeah. Uh, the wife pled but, guilty. Uh, so yeah, yeah. let me let me set this up. So uh, Aaron involved me in a case in which, um, and I'm tell me if I'm wrong, Aaron, uh, where uh, you had uh, a debtor or two debtors or a husband and wife. Uh, I guess the husband is actually who filed uh, uh, bankruptcy. Or I guess both of them. Both yeah, of them. Just right? the wife. Yeah, yeah just yeah. the it was the wife, wife. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so um, they uh, had uh, real estate holdings, uh, and they had a very nice house, a very nice section of. Uh, we had a couple of nice houses, but yeah. one of them specifically that had the most value uh, was located. Uh, uh, for those of you familiar with Houston, um, uh, in the Galleria area, off of San Felipe, in a really really nice uh, uh, area. And so uh, it was determined uh, that that house would be sold whole conversation as to how that was determined and you know the the uh hearings and and what i'm willing to live in what i'm not willing to live in i remember that uh, as well so long story short as we were going through that process uh the couple uh was indicted on charges for medicare fraud right yeah. uh and um so as we were trying to get access to the house um um it was just so much that went on. So I'm kind of skipping over a whole lot, but uh, they get arrested. And then uh, one of them is then detained uh, from the arrest by ICE to get deported. Yeah. Uh, to, uh, that, that's a free piece of, of unsolicited uh, advice. Yeah. If you are not of legal status. <laughs> right. And you Especially are committing, in this and you are committing crimes. <laughs> right. Maybe bankruptcy is not the best social path for you. Because <laughs> okay, get public. Put, putting yourself into court in front of a judge. Yeah, I didn't think you know, about don't that. voluntarily put yourself in front of a judge. Yeah, that's right. She's <laughs> not legally here, and she filed for bankruptcy. Wow. Yeah. So um, I didn't think about that. So long story short, I can remember from a real estate standpoint, um, you know, going by the property. I've dealt with some crazy situations because of the number of foreclosures I've sold over the years. But just having to be concerned about. A little bit about my safety, I guess, to a certain yeah. extent, uh, yeah. because it just seemed like a weird situation when I met uh, there. And by the way, sometimes when we sell property and they're filing bankruptcy and I'm selling either, uh, in this case, it's a residential property, but um, I'm about to, to list uh, some commercial property. Folks are still there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're still, still collecting there. rent. I mean, yeah. because it doesn't make sense for us to go rent the property to somebody else. Right. It's just not economical. So we'll charge rent to the owner, to the if, owner. They, if they can afford to pay it. Um, while we try and sell the property, we'll let them live there and they'll pay rent to us. So in this particular case, I can remember meeting them at the house and one person came and opened the door. Another person came. It was it was just real eerie. Uh, so anyway, long story short, I had to meet the trustee, which is uh, uh, there and had to have a phone conference while we're there. 
um, uh, me, the trustee, and the judge, and the judge literally asked, is it empty? We're having to have the conference to yeah. prove that we're there because I'm about to send the police if it's not uh, empty. Yeah. Uh, and then once it became empty, it kind of became a, a normal transaction. Uh, and so what happened after that? Um, well, I'm going to say that's a perfect example of <laughs> someone setting off red flags of not being honest but unfortunate. Right. They had five properties, mm -hmm. several million dollars altogether, yeah. and they had tax returns showing they made $60,000 a year. Mm -hmm. Why are you living in a $2.5 million house? You know, there's... A red flag there. The, and the so. other house was, by the way, that I'm familiar with was on um, Memorial. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and I can remember you saying, um, you know, uh, at the hearing, uh, just like, well, hey, why don't you just move to the other house and we can, he's like, that other house is beneath me. Yeah. And I was like, are you kidding me? you telling the judge that the $2 million house that you live in and the one point X amount of your house, that $1.2 yeah. million is beneath me. Yeah. So. We should all be so lucky. Um <laughs> But, yeah, they, they got their comeuppance. Yeah, so they yeah. pled guilty to the... Uh, um, I think he has not. She's pled guilty. Gotcha. She's not been sentenced. Gotcha. She's still here or has she been... She's in detention still. Detention, gotcha. Wow. Yeah. And so, um, the government is taking all the proceeds from that sale. Really? Yeah, because it's... Um, so, uh, to get into other right. area of law, um, if you are charged with a crime mm -hmm. and there are assets mm -hmm. that are deemed to have been acquired through the pro oh, proceeds right. of a crime, that's right. it's called criminal forfeiture. And so the government determined she pled that they basically bought that house with money they stole from Medicaid, Medicare. And so buy. And so the money goes back to the government. I, you know what? I remember um, the trustee calling me and saying, um, I think they're still going to let us sell this um, uh, because they could have stopped it right then and right. there. Right. Uh, and just did a whole forfeiture type of deal. Right. I mean, right. the they got like like any other creditor, the government would have rather have the money than deal right. with time to sell a piece of property because <laughs> right. we were fairly long in the process. Yeah, we were. And, we had a buyer at the um, time. Yeah. So yeah, we yeah we had a contract I think right. before they even showed up, and right. so they let that go forward, and um, and just sat around and waited for the money to come in. So so, so uh, that that was one of the craziest ones I've been involved uh, with. What about any other ones? You um, with our same. A case that you were not involved in, but the mm -hmm. same client. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I have had a hoarder situation, which I've never really dealt with before okay. in terms of going into a house. Um, that Did was, I, I, a, I think, I w it was out in Tomball. Yeah, you they were, had, I was on that. You were on that. That was the case. You were there. Yeah. that. They, in fact, I they um, look. We're having a conversation. The, um, uh, the trustee's previous uh, paralegal sent me out there uh, to assess the property, and I had to essentially break in the property. Uh, and it it was a hoarding situation. Yeah, uh, which is with dogs, but the dogs had been, were yeah. gone. And I had neighbors coming up to me, telling me and calling my office, telling me, "Don't let that lady back in the house." <laughs> like it, it became like, "Well, yeah. hey, I'm just the realtor, yeah. whatever type of deal." Yeah, you're not you're not the HOA, right? Um, I mean, that's crazy in a in a sad way most yeah, of the time. It, so it it's, really it's that, that, and that's part of the same problem of people. and the debtor was calling me from different phone numbers saying she was different people asking about the house. Yeah. And she couldn't tell that I could see her um, her uh, information because I know where she worked. So okay. anyway, it was, yeah. that was weird. Yeah. That made yeah, my yeah, wife yeah. nervous, as a matter of fact. So. Yeah, I mean, look, yeah. I, w whenever you're dealing with someone's home right. or homestead, if it's commercial property, that never happens. Right? right. I mean, people are in business. They understand that sometimes things work out. Right. Sometimes they don't. Um, but... A home is important. A home is something more than a piece of land to yeah. people. And that's why people don't want to leave because yeah. they have an emotional attachment to what is yeah. maybe the way we think about it, an investment. Yeah. Right. I think about my home as an investment. Yeah. And there's some emotion there, but not enough that if it was a bad investment, I would leave. Right, know? right, right. No, absolutely. Not, yeah. that, that's, not everyone feels that way. Most yeah. most people don't think about their home that way. I think it's because of what we do. We right. feel like that most people, you know, if you're a firefighter or whatever the case may be, that's that's my pride and joy right. uh, because I transact in real estate all the time. I'm, I'm emotionally, I love my home, but it's I, it's a home. Right. I guess. But you would, if you were going to lose money, you'd leave. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, um, um, so, those two, any commercial crazy stories? Um, um, honestly, like the the trailer park we were talking yeah, about is a crazy, crazy story. Only in that I don't think I've ever had that much success, huh. like in getting a getting a value over list. Yeah, and I I mean I, I think both of us um, were surprised yes. at the demand, the demand for trailer parks. So people out there, people still call, that was almost two and a half years ago. Yeah, 
the buyers still call me, yeah. uh, potential buyers still call me. I mean, that's the only trailer park case I've had. And mm -hmm. It's the only time I've had an asset like that. Mm -hmm. I didn't know anything about that market or that industry. Mm -hmm. And I grossly, grossly underestimated the demand uh, for that kind of asset. And look, I, I felt, honestly, I was like, man, I hope they still keep hiring me because I, was, I, I hope they don't think I just valued it at, um, you know, just gave them a number, but based on the numbers that I had, you know, so you know, for those that have been in the podcast before, we, you value income property based on the amount of income, and you also look at comps. So I looked at comps, looked at income, and the income that at least was reported. Yeah, maybe that was it. <laughs> <laughs> um, which come to find out I've kept in touch with the buyer, and there was a lot of income that, that yeah. was being made that wasn't being uh, yeah. reported. So that's why he actually felt comfortable overbidding. Uh, was the fact that uh, uh, yeah so uh, long story short uh, uh, quick synopsis of that is uh, we had a uh, situation where bankruptcy someone filed bankruptcy uh, for uh, various reasons but uh, and that was an intersection between bankruptcy and probate actually uh, which I didn't know until I yeah. did that that bankruptcy could have an effect on probate uh, uh, as well so um, I'll, you know what that 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 transaction loan deserves its own. Yeah, that can be its own, own, own half hour. <laughs> own half hour uh, as well. So, uh, as we come to a, uh, to close, uh, Aaron, I, I guess what I would ask you is, uh, for those out there that are um, looking for, uh, th well, two things. I ask you two things. For those out there that are considering um, filing bankruptcy or are in you know dire straits as to what they should do financially, uh, what would just your general advice be? Um, have a backup plan. Okay. Don't be in a position where if things don't work out, you don't have somewhere to go. Hmm. It's the most important thing is that you know where you're going to go and you're going to be safe no matter what happens. Gotcha. Um, and the second thing was, you know, try to take the emotion out of it. Mm -hmm. And as hard as that is, you got to do what makes the most economic sense for you going forward. And would you say that to, so that's for individuals, for business owners as well? Same yeah, advice? same thing for business. I mean, yeah. just because you, um, you know, Americans are also not great at sunk costs. You know, um, it's a it's a real hard thing to do to say I've put this much time and money mm, yes, and yes. maybe emotional capital into yeah. a business or mm -hmm. a project. Um, be realistic. Mm -hmm. um, have a plan. Don't just assume that the market will save you mm -hmm. or that time will solve all, all, all problems because it doesn't. Sometimes more time just makes things worse for you. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, be economical about things. Gotcha. And then um, just a real quick prediction. You've been in the business long enough to where you've seen cycles. Um, I guess when was the highest amount of bankruptcy filings or the, the busiest times? And, and when has been, is this now the slowest or is it about even just from a bankruptcy filing standpoint? Because to me, that always kind of is a bellwether or canary in the, the coal mine as to how the economy is doing. Yeah, so it's it's interesting, you know, Houston and the national economy don't always track. That's true. Because yeah. we're pretty industry specific. Right. Um, nationwide, there was a big spike in 2004 because the law was going to change in 2005. And I think lawyers in general mm -hmm. were pushing people if they were going to file, there was some benefit to file then. So there was this big spike in 2004. The numbers came down and then slowly they came back up. Obviously, there's another spike in the 09 crash. Mm -hmm. That was less true of Houston. Houston mm -hmm. did pretty good through 09, all things considered, mm -hmm. um, because of things happening in shale at that time. And we were we were just coming back on the on, on, an uptick on the other side of that, that we recovered a lot faster than the rest of the country. Um, I think things are fairly stable in yes. Houston mm -hmm. now on the individual side. From, I guess, 14 to 17 was by far the biggest commercial bankruptcy situation we've ever had okay. in terms of overall value of debt. Oil field right. services. Oil field services companies going That's down left and right. Case, I have two cases right now that I've right. been assigned that are oil um, Seismic industry mm -hmm. did bad. Offshore drilling did bad. You know, when, when commodity prices come down, those are the type of people that get hit. The people that have that are oil field services companies or people that have really high lifting costs. And um, that has so far tapered off mm -hmm. through the end of 18 and starting in 19. Mm -hmm. We'll see where we are. I think we're at $52 maybe or something like that, a barrel. Mm -hmm. um, if we're down in the 40s, we're going to see a lot more problems. Mm -hmm. You know, If we get back into the high 60s, then most most Everybody's things will okay. be okay. Yeah. Um, Especially small guys. Yeah, yeah, and you know, it's the same thing that happened in 09 nationwide. A lot of problems that came up in 15, maybe they got a five-year breathing you know they, mm -hmm. they got an amendment on their loan maybe for five years now it's not and now it's gonna start coming right. up at the wrong time and right. so if they did 
six, three years or six years maybe wouldn't happen. But as that loan matures again at the wrong time, it's the same problem. So um, I could see a lot of, of energy industry stuff happening uh, later this year and into next year. Mm -hmm. um, the healthcare industry we have a lot of in Houston, mm -hmm. and it, we had a, a glut of it um, maybe six years ago. Mm -hmm. um, that seems to have slowed hmm. down a little okay. bit, but that tends to be more project specific and, and gotcha. manage management specific, less industry problems, you gotcha. know, but gotcha. um, hostile business also a tough business. Gotcha. You know? And, um, you know, when uh, uh, I do a lot of corporate debtor work mm -hmm. and, um, you know, it's the same thing where it's, it's not just that business that's at stake, it's all the people that are employed by that business. Yeah. Because when yeah. that business fails, those people are laid off, yeah. those people become bankrupt. You, know, you can't imagine the number of personal wow. bankruptcies that came yeah. out of things like Enron and stuff like that because yeah. people weren't able to get jobs and they were, um, maybe they had a little bit of savings and right. then that last three months, six months. And then so, you know, nine months to a Just year a after effect. a case like that, they still yeah. don't have a job and suddenly they're in bankruptcy too. Wow. Wow. Well, um, I appreciate you um, uh, coming today. Um, uh, I don't think you mind. He had a long night. He had a, a little bit of a, a, a sick child last night. And uh, so I told him he could have, rescheduled this, but he was a trooper and came this morning and uh, broke down bankruptcy better than uh, anyone. And by the way, uh, I've said this to uh, outside of these walls, Aaron kind of helped me int get introduced. Aaron and, and uh, 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 the trustee that he introduced me to um, have you know been great clients of mine. And because of the work that I've done with them, I've gotten referred to uh, other folks. But by far, um, and I, I want to say this publicly, um, and this is no slight to, to any other attorney, uh, but this is the best bankruptcy attorney uh, living. And trust me, I've gotten a chance to work with the, the spectrum. Uh, uh, so I just want to let people know that, that you're good at what you do. I very appreciate good, that. Very, very good at what you do. So if uh, people want to get in touch with you, um, uh, what they can do is uh, either contact me. In fact, you know what? Matter of fact, um, uh, because you work at a, at a larger uh, firm, I'll, I'll give uh, this will this will give me a, a, a sense. You can uh, unless you might do. No, uh, no, it goes okay. to you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you can call our office at two eight one four zero three thirty seven hundred two eight one four zero three thirty seven hundred, or you can email me at kevin at kevinrylescommercial dot com. Kevin at kevinrylesc uh, commercial.com. I asked as we end that you do uh, in 2019, we're trying to increase our subscriber base. So for those of you that are looking uh, at the video over to the right on our website, please click on the Android or the iTunes and subscribe. For those of you listening in your car, because I've ran into a couple of you, I think a couple of weeks ago, people were saying, man, your voice is so weird because me and my wife listen to you when we're on our way to work or on the weekends. Uh, so hi, everyone. Uh, so if you can click subscribe, if you can rate uh, and, and click subscribe. So please rate, please subscribe, please tell your friends. If you like this episode, share it uh, with a friend. Uh, and again, we have some more things coming uh, here in the next couple of weeks. And I just appreciate you guys listening and watching The Real Estate of Life with Kevin Riles. I will see you next week. Hey, hey thanks for listening as always. Do you, do you have, have questions about any of the topics, topics I'm talking, talking about? about? If you have questions, let me know. Email me at kevin at kevinriles.com. Again, that's kevin at kevinriles.com. I'm going to do a podcast just on the questions uh, that you guys are sending to me. So feel free to send them to me. Again, that's kevin at kevinriles.com.